This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Robert Duncan McNeil, also known as Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we have two very special guests. They are the newest additions to the Star Trek family and the co-writers of Star Trek 13. I don't know what to call it. Um, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. How's it going, guys? We're doing great. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing well. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Now, just so that people know, who's who's JD and who's Patrick? Uh, JD Payne here, and uh, this is Patrick McKay. How you doing? Okay, that sounds good. Thanks. Um, and and we, we, should, we should first say thank you for having us on the show. We're we're very honored to be here and glad to talk to you. Oh no, I mean it's the the, the honor is ours. I, we we really appreciate it. I mean, you know, this whole show, this whole series that we do is is designed to kind of like showcase uh, the work of of Star Trek creators and everything. And and when I saw that interview with J.J. Abrams and he said that the new movie was being written by Payne and McKay, I I kind of freaked out a little bit because I had no idea who you guys were, and I have a feeling a lot of fans uh, are are in the same boat. So. Thank you very much. Hopefully that'll all change today. And uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. So we'll get into secret origins and all that stuff in, in, in a little bit, but so as not to bury the lead. Are you guys Star Trek fans? Uh, yeah. <laughs> very much so, yeah. Uh, we, we both grew up on Star Trek, but are each in, in different ways. What is your favorite Star Trek series or, oh, or whatever? Yes, because we need to make sure that the right people are already angry with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well you know it's funny we you know we were just talking about this sort of there's so many incarnations and each kind of has its own thing but i think you know if we really had to you know i, I think it's safe to say that you know we would have to put our chips on on next generation in terms of just the series uh that sort of holds up the best it has the best number of like most number of great episodes and crazy science fiction ideas um i i grew up with the old original series but you know it's a little creakier i think today for sure but yeah, no, it, it's uh, so you know we've been working together for a long time, and and uh, you know we, we would when we were younger, we sit down talk about who was the better captain, Kirk or Picard, and you know so get in these in these long conversations about it, and and uh, there's so much just wonderful that that uh, each one does, uh, and, and Star Trek is in, in some ways such a, a, a big universe uh, that allows you to go so many different places, and so we have a, a very soft spot in our heart for uh, for sort of a, a lot of the different incarnations of the franchise. You know, I had to grow up with with uh, the original series. You know, I. Sort of discovered next generation in my, in my mid teens and you know, felt like I found this just wonderful gold mine and then you know sort of uh, uh, watched a ton of that and and uh, would literally you know uh, re- recorded on uh, UPN you know, DC twenty um, in, in Washington DC and and uh, had my own little uh, tapes where VHS tapes where I would edit out the commercials and have my own little master Star Trek file and cross off the episode list as I as I got them all. Uh, you know, cataloged over, over the course of my, my childhood. But then, you know, Deep Space Nine came on, and so I, I started watching Deep Space Nine, and then, you know, went through Voyager uh, to a certain point. And, and so, you know, really just had, had a, a, a love affair with Star Trek throughout my teeth. All right. Yeah, this is it's kind of a... 
interesting for us because this is like the first time that that like Star Trek writers have been from our generation you know i mean it's it, every everyone else you know i mean we're we're about the same age and and it's kind of interesting to see you know star trek from someone who grew up with it with the same perspective that we did you know we both grew up on on next generation i, I know max has seen yeah. the original series first and everything like that well i mean the, the, we're we are people who discussed the latest episode of next gen in a high school cafeteria <laughs> exactly yeah so that's, yeah, a, whole generation. that's a generation of people <laughs> It is. Have you guys seen like everything, or just you know certain things here and there, or do you, do you favor one series over another in terms of like how much you've watched or, or anything like that? I've probably seen I've probably seen the entire original series. My my parents were pretty big Star Trek fans, uh, uh, so I grew up inundated with Kirk and Spock and McCoy, and you know I was seeing the old movies in the theaters, and you know we would watch the old episodes all the time, and. That was just sort of the fabric of what I grew up around. Um, so I've probably seen just about every episode, if, if not every single one. Um, Next Gen, there's probably, you know, many that I haven't seen yet. But, like, the sort of favorites that we go back to, I've seen, you know, a dozen times. J.D., you've definitely seen all of Next Gen, right? Most of I mean, There's probably a few hides in, in Season 1 and 2 that, that I never made my way to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and we, we cite them sort of chapter and verse. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the inner light, you know, we'll talk about Chain of Command part one and two. We'll, we'll talk about tapestry and, and the best, best of both worlds part one and two. Yesterday's enterprise, uh, all good thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many just wonderful ones in the next gen, but then, you know, there's some really wonderful ones in, in the TOS also where, uh, you've, you've got devil in the dark and, um, you know, we were watching court Marshall the other day, which has some great stuff in it. And, um, you know, there's, there's but, but I think, but I think JD, am, am I wrong? I, I think neither of us has seen, large portions of, of the other three series, right? Like, like I, I watched the, maybe the first season of Voyager when it aired, but I, I probably haven't seen much more than that. I, I think I've only seen, like, one episode of Enterprise. Um, hmm. and, and Deep Space Nine, I certainly watched when it started, but I never kept up. I, I've actually been wanting to revisit it, because I hear it's sort of, sort of Battlestar Galactica in its ambition, and it's very, you know, a little darker. And um, so I, I've heard good things, but I, the, the, those other three series are definitely more of a blind spot. Are, are you, JD, have you seen those? Or? You know, yeah, I watched a bit more of DS9 and, and of Voyager sort of, you know, throughout the end of high school. And then when, when, finally when I got to Yale, I didn't have a TV in my dorm room. So I was like, take the track over to the common room where there, where there was, uh, you know, a TV and, and uh, watched, uh, you know, Voyager there a little bit. But then finally I, I, I ended up, like, going away for, for a few years. So it didn't end up uh, having a ton of TV access. So I uh, didn't, like, sort of catch the end of Voyager. But I, I certainly watched the first, I think, three or four seasons of it. Um, but, but yeah, so we, we've definitely been there, you know, sort of, across, I, I, and Enterprise, I should say, I've only seen like maybe two episodes of so Enterprise I never really got into. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to let you know that Deep Space Nine is unbelievably fantastic. I'm excited to get to tell you <laughs> that it becomes exceptionally good. If, if you're a fan of Battlestar <laughs> awesome. Galactica, um, you will like Deep Space Nine because it is sort of like the proto Battlestar Galactica. A lot of the guys who, who ended up doing Battlestar Galactica met and got their start on Deep Space Nine. So definitely check out that show. And, do, and don't be dissuaded from the first couple seasons because it's a little bit of a slow start, but like once it hits season three, it's just off and running. So, Cisco does punch Q, though. That, yeah, there is that. That is pretty so. good. <laughs> well, and, and that's like, it's like the Dominion War, right? Where there, you know, there's a, a long serial story involving this intergalactic war. Is that right? Right, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's actually like the last couple years. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously cool. huge. 
But there's so much stuff that leads up to it that's also fantastic. And and just like all Star Trek, it is very um, standalone-ish, too. You know, you can watch an episode here and there and, and still understand what's going on. But when you watch it, you know, all all together, it's it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely fun little, you know, threads that will carry through. I, I think Thomas Riker makes, yeah. makes an appearance, the, 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 the sort of, you know, split-off transporter Riker that, you know, was created in, in uh, Next Gen and I think Second Chances. Yeah, um, yep, and uh, he, he comes back for an episode, I think, in in, uh, in Deep Space Nine. Um, you know, and, and so I think there, there's some like you know, sort of, yeah, and of course, Worf, you know, kind of comes on. Uh, I, I definitely remember being a you know, well, I, I remember is it Deep Space Nine that has the one where they go back to the Tribbles episode and they like digitally put in Kirk. I definitely saw that when it aired. Yep, yeah, yep, um, that is that. This is a sort of stun episode to draw in fans like me at work. <laughs> and and that's the other thing, you know, uh, I mean, for for you, Patrick, who's a fan of the original series. Um, it's, you the, can tell it's, it's the most connected it, it, to the original series. Not only is it the most connected, but it's the most in keeping, I think, in terms of spirit to the original series. It's very much... But whatever. <laughs> en- enough about other Star Trek. <laughs> no, no. You, but, well, you, you, you know, yeah, you've, you've, got, us, you've got us sold. I, I'm, I'm going to go watch T-Space 9 right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Anyways. Let so, us know when you get to crossover, because that's dope. Yep. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> awesome. Cool. <laughs> so, so, Patrick... Um, it, growing up as an original series fan, do you have any like favorite episodes of that? You know, any any real standouts for you? Well, so it, it's been great. I've been you know we've been revisiting them as we're you know since we started the whole Star Trek three conversation, uh, uh, and and have been sort of working my way through them. And you know, it, it's interesting. The best ones are as good as anything. You know, sitting on the edge of forever is amazing. Uh, you know, the, the end with you know. Just be, be myself, get, get us the hell out of here. Like, you know, and you, you see how shattered Kirk is. I mean, that's awesome. That, that's something that's like sort of ahead of its time in a way. Um, oh, yeah. And then the, oh, the yeah. other ones, JD mentioned, you know, Devil in the Dark is, is a cool episode. I mean, the Horda, the like pizza monster is a, a little silly, but the idea is very sort of aliens. You know, the, mm-hmm. the miners who are getting attacked by something in the tunnels, they don't know what it is. Like, it, 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 it's really kind of cool and effective. Um, the Doomsday Machine is awesome. I mean, that was one that, like, I mean, and these are also episodes that I've been listening to my parents quote through my childhood, you know. What, what, what does he say? I think it's, it's, it's like Decker's dad, who's the sort of Ahab captain, and he's, you know, well, what happened to your crew? Where, where did they go? You know, are they alive? Well, they were, but not anymore. <laughs> this is, like, literally, like, me at five years old, like, listening to my parents, like, you know, riff on these things in, in a half-joking, half-appreciating, half-loving way. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole batch of old series ones that are, that are just great. Um, but what, you know, what, what bums me out about the old series is I feel like it's not as, I don't know, I always have to like apologize for it if I'm trying to like to bring someone in, you know, um, there's always the aspect where if you're sort of not, I mean, at least for me, I was sort of raised with that aesthetic of all the bright colors and the, you know, the, the, the polyester uniforms, you know, they look like, you know, Steve Zissou's crew or something. Um, and then for me, that stuff like all kind of works. But as I've sort of been introducing JD to a lot of these episodes that, that, you know, I grew up with, you know, they don't always land. It's like, it's like, I don't know, it's a little silly when he fights the guy in the rubber suit, you know, like, and, and it is, you know, I, mean, I think in, in a good way. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, we, we, we could go off for hours on it, as we, we often do in, in our sort of, you know, <laughs> rips together. But, but yes. And, and JD, as someone who's kind of like, I don't know if you're, let's say discovering the original series for the first time or whatever, but I, like, are, are, are this, do you, do you notice like the same episodes that, that Patrick likes are the ones that you're liking or are, 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 are do you have like maybe a bit, a different take on it? 
I mean, definitely, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll watch them together. I'll watch them alone. And, you know, there, there's things you can take away from, from all of them in terms of character history and, 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 uh, you know, other things. I mean, you know, Space Seed is also obviously like a, a, a perennial favorite, um, of the fans and also that, you know, uh, definitely, definitely beloved. Um, and, uh, then, you know, I was watching one the other day where, uh, they go down to a planet with them, like, where basically the whole crew kind of like isn't affected with these spores where they all basically become a bunch of hippies. Um, and Kirk is kind of the, <laughs> Kirk is kind of the narc who is, you know, telling everyone, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Come back to your senses. And <laughs> that was, that one is like kind of hilariously bad, but kind of awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole uh, treasure trove. Okay. All right. So, so in terms of, uh, I like that. of, <laughs> of being, you know, a, a team, where, where did you guys meet? How did you guys, you know, um, get together as, as writers? Patrick, did you want, you want to take this one? Sure, sure. Um, well, so uh, we've been writing together for, I guess, like 17 years now, um, which we would have been back in high school. Uh, I think both J.D. and I uh, went to the same junior high and the same high school. We, we were on the debate team together, and we were sort of, you know, peripheral, peripherally friends and kind of aware of each other and had classes together and, and that kind of thing. Um, and independently, we were both working on, you know, creative pursuits. You know, I, I, I had this whole – I was like a little movie boss, and I wanted to be, you know – the next, you know, Tarantino or something, I, I don't even know. Um, so sort of, you know, trying to make little movies and, and, and JD was very much like, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I would say, you know, from, from my outside perspective, you know, very much was sort of a serious science fiction, you know, speculative, you know, kind of a writer, um, writing, you know, very, very complex, you know, almost a little Star Trek Next genera- Generation or, or Twilight zone kind of um, stories and novels and plays and, um, one of JD's plays, he decided he was going to, you know, try and uh, uh, put up and direct at the One Act Festival at our high school, and, and he, he mentioned it to me offhandedly in the hallway, and I was like, "Direct? <laughs> I, I, I think you mentioned it like to ask if I wanted to help. I, I, I don't think like I jumped on that. I, th- I think you invited me. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely, that was the case. Uh, but yeah, well, so so then then we directed it together, had an absolute fall, uh, and then for the next year's One Act Festival, I guess this would have been. I guess next year would have been our like senior year. Um, yeah. we, we wrote something together, and, and, and that was our first sort of collaboration. And very quickly we found that everything that I was hopelessly bad at, J.D. had been developing on his own and was awesome at. Um, and, and, and everything that I was pretty good at you know, was some of his least favorite things to work on you know, creatively as well. I think that's a nice way to say it, right, J.D.? <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, so, so it, it very quickly fell into sort of a, a, a natural creative partnership where uh, you know, we worked on developing a host together, and, and uh, it, it was always something we couldn't not do. You know? I mean, we, we went off to separate colleges, both in the Northeast, and we were sort of a train ride away from each other, and, uh, you know, just, just it sort of naturally fell into um, our, our one acts became three acts, and, and then three acts sort of naturally developed into that's a, like a screenplay structure. And, and I think my, my freshman year at Yale, someone came to, there was a producer who came and sort of took pitches on, on things at, at sort of a, a master's key kind of a thing. And, and uh, we had this idea, we'd been thinking about doing it as a stage play, but it was also sort of movie-ish. And Fisher to me was like, that sounds really great. How soon could you give me the script? And I was like, two weeks. And we, 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 we bullshitted him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd written absolutely nothing. I'd never written a screenplay before, but fortunately spring break was coming up. So, you know, with all of our brash 19-year-old confidence, we you know, bought some screenwriting software and wrote our first script in two weeks. And, and, um, you know, got it to him. And of course, nothing ever happened with it. But that sort of started, kicked off kind of our, our, our 20s and then um, ended up writing basically a, a screenplay per year uh, throughout uh, our, our 20s. Uh, well, and, 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 tr- and trying a lot of different things, you know, uh, we're trying to figure out kind of what writers we wanted to be. You know, uh, we, you know, we're massive fans of like Wes Anderson and 
you know, sort of, uh, you know, the Coen brothers and stuff like that. And I, and I think you know, early on, we very much sort of modeled ourselves after that. And we were writing, you know, sort of quirky, you know, indie comedy, you know, dramedy sort of things um, and, and, and found that we didn't we weren't quite we weren't very good at it. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't quite work for us, you know. Um, you, you know, we, we, have, we have very different tastes, J.D. and I. I mean, we sort of, we look alike, but, but you know, each of us kind of <laughs> brings a, his own thing to the table. Um, uh, people, and, people always ask us, you know, when we come into a room together, they say, are you guys brothers? Like, and it, literally, it's, it's eerie. Within, like, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds, usually. We've got cat called on the street before when we've been walking around developing a project or something. Like, uh, some, you know, one guy shouted out the window and said, brothers? And like, no, no. And I guess when it's like married couples, when you spend a lot of time together, you start to sort of like look at each other a little bit. And I think, you know, there's sort of similar vocal inflections sometimes. So, you know, it's an understandable mistake, but, you know. But, you know, it's also very much like, you know, a negotiation, you know, you know, you know, in sort of ways, big and small, we're very different. You know, JD's a little more of a homebody. I'm, you know, a little more of somebody who likes to go out. JD's sort of more of a religious person. And, you know, I'm not so much. Um, you know, but, but, uh, uh, you know, sort of together we slowly worked our way toward finding that, you know, what, what we both loved, we're both, you know, you know, we're able to kind of, you know, collaborate on were these big movies, um, big stories, big epics, um, you know, uh, you know, in the sort of more crass marketing term, it would be the sort of summer tent holy kind of thing. Um, uh, and then, and then, you know, sort of slowly figuring that out is eventually what got us, got us where we are now. So did you try mm-hmm. to, to, to like write? A, a big summer tent pulley thing on your own before you were actually like professional or, or did, did your, your little Wes Anderson type stuff sort of like open the door to, to Hollywood and lead to the, the summer tent pulley things? No, yeah, it, it's, it's funny because yeah, we, we, we started writing sort of, you know, bigger, more epic things. You know, the, the first big epic one that we, we, we wrote was sort of a historical um, sort of, you know, love and and loss in the time of war and revolution, you know, so 17th century kind of a British Civil War type. And, and then we're like, okay, well, we feel like this is actually like pretty good, but it's not commercial at all. Like, no one's going to go see this movie. So, so then, you know, we were like, okay, well, so do we, if we can take the same sensibility and do it, just so more things that people have sort of an awareness of already. So we wrote sort of a Clash of the Titans-esque, you know, sort of version of a Midas origin story. Um, and, and that's what sort of finally got us uh, agency representation and, and uh, moved the ball. We, 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 should, we should say this was before Clash of the Titans. It was actually, I saw 300 in a, in a theater on like a $2 matinee with a buddy of mine. And I was like, wait a minute, we can do better than this. Oh, maybe I should have said that, but <laughs> I did. Um, and then, and then we, we had this idea kicking around of like, oh, you know, well, why would anyone want the Golden Touch? What, you know, that's always sort of, it sounds like a kid's story, but like, what if you treated that really seriously? And what if you did the sort of like Ben-Hur version where, you know, the guy loses everything and is enslaved and he realizes, you know, he believes the only way he can get his kingdom back is to, you know, steal from the gods and, you know, try and make it a huge epic. And um, we spent a year writing that script. Or, I mean, I guess two years, really, if, if you count the sort of first, first uh, try, J.D. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and then that, that one sort of finally was, was you know, uh, I'd been living in LA for a while and sort of dancing around getting scripts as we were writing to anyone possibly could. And, and that one sort of finally, uh, just particularly as a, the pre-branded uh, public domain sort of bubble was, was at, at its maximum. That one finally got us on, on the radar of some, some you know, people at, at UTA and Kevin Perone and, um, you know, through a, a, a whole sort of Hollywood story that I won't go into, uh, you know, and end up getting some representation. And um, from there, you know, now that we have representation, we, we you know, we're, we're setting our sights on, okay, what, what are the, the, the big movies we can write that are some like the ones we, we know we, we do really well together? And so we spent a year writing something that was sort of a, an amalgamation between sort of almost a Ghostbusters and a Star Trek and a Alien and a Godzilla, sort of all, all those things popped into one. And it, it, 
turned out to be a terrific mess. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was it was literally called the Planet Eater. Oh no! Oh god! Yeah, yeah no. So I, I I won't go into it at all any, any more than that. But, but I have to say that you know it, it didn't sell. Our reps didn't even want to take it out. Um, and and so finally we, we and, and and this is now we say this is now sort of you know like uh, 2009 maybe or or something like that. And and I had just moved out here. I, I had been in DC. Uh, getting my master's in creative writing while we were working on some of these projects. And then, you know, after we sort of got an agent with, with that Midas script, I, I, I moved out to L.A. And now we're sort of like working crappy jobs and writing in the mornings at 5 a.m. and writing on the weekends. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, was was not working as we were writing the script that, that was, as J.D. says, a mess. Um, uh, and then so then we wrote one more, of, as you, you mentioned, the, the like sort of summer tentpole things. Uh, uh, and that was a script called Goliath. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's sort of like the David and Goliath story from the Bible, but done as if it's like the Terminator, like, you know, the action movie version where, you know, uh, uh, Goliath is, is hired to hunt down, you know, the, the sort of teenager who is prophesized to be the next king, um, you know, and, and who will, you know, topple the bad guys. So, so you know, there's, it's like, it's like a, a three-day chase, and then it ends in, you know, finally David, the, you know, has to face down the giant. And, you know, defeat him with the secret weapon, um, you know, and, and that's the sort of part of the story that, you know, um, and, and that was the script finally that we sold in, I guess, 2010. Yeah, Sorry, I hope we're not boring you guys with our no, life no. story here. Just no, no, this is great. So that, no, a lot of that's very cool. I'm trying to figure out what the secret weapon would be to defeat Goliath, and I'm hoping that it was an EMP grenade. <laughs> How did you know? It just seemed right. It just felt right. So yep. that, that, that Goliath script, I, I know at one point, uh, at least Scott Derrickson was attached to direct it, right? Is that? Is yes. that I, I know he's pretty busy these days. Is that still um, a possibility? Uh, how do we answer that one, JD? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, nothing's ever off the table. You, you know, people people's schedules sort of change and come back around, and then whatever else. I mean, uh, I, I know there's. Uh, Sort of various plans for sort of you know, what, what to do with Goliath right now, and, and uh, we, you know we, we'd love the movie to get made. Um, that's that's so, a project we you know we yeah we're very you know we'll always be forever excited about and uh, has a special feel for us because it was you know it came out of a lot of work and frustration and then was finally the thing that sort of broke us. Um, but but you know there's also a lot of sort of uh, Bible-y, sword and sandal-y kind of movies. Um, and I think, you know, trying to find the way to get this one off the ground has been, you know, not as easy as we, we might have hoped. But, yeah, no, we, we did a draft with Scott, and he's, he's really smart, and, and all the success he's having now with the Marvel movie and everything, you know, is, is not a surprise to us. Um, uh, but, uh, but, but, no, it, it, uh, probably not anytime soon is the answer. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so how did this all lead to uh, your association with Bad Robot? Uh, yeah, so um, off of uh, Goliath, we, we then uh, got an assignment at Paramount called The Deadliest Warrior, which was a, a feature film version of the Spike uh, TV show, Deadliest Warrior. Um, and it was sort of a fun, time travel y kind of a, you know, how do you get the most badass warriors from across time together for one big brawl? Um, the the and, sort of Avengers team of, you know, the ninja, the samurai, the Viking, you know. Yeah. And like, you know, Paramount you know, dug it and, and sort of, you know, we, we went on the couch and water bottle tour with a bunch of uh, the various producers uh, on, on the Paramount slate. And, you know, one of which happened to be J.J. Uh, Abrams and Better Robot. And, and um, you know, so we went in there and, and uh, you know, we'd been doing these very sort of hyper masculine, you know, 
you know, uh, sword slashing kind of like, you know, bloody movies up to that point. And so when we sat down with, with one of the next over there, they said, well, you know, we don't have a ton available right now that's really up your guys' alley. And we do have this one movie about sort of a, you know, it's, it's set in the end, end of the 19th century. It's based on this graphic novel called Boilerplate about this robot who has these sort of Forrest Gump-esque whimsical adventures as he goes across meeting various historical luminaries. But, you know, he, he doesn't talk. So he's a silent protagonist. And, and you know, our eyes got his biggest saucers. And we said, that sounds awesome. You know, and, and by the time we were out in the parking lot, you know, we, we had a bunch of ideas for how we wanted to do it. And, and um, we, we just very quickly found over there that um, there was sort of a creative kismet where our, our sensibilities aligned and it seemed like we very much wanted to tell the same kinds of stories and, and uh, really enjoy all the executives over there. And, and uh, so we, we wrote that one and, and had a great time with it. And then that led very naturally to an, another one that was, um, you know, much closer to the Star Trek thing called Micronauts. Um, and Patrick, do you want to talk about Micronauts a little bit? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and Micronauts was based on a, a, a toy property, um, which it was sort of a, it was sort of like Star Wars, before there was a Star Wars, it was a 1970s toy line that, you know, had sort of interconnected parts. It's almost like Lego, but then it's sort of a space opera. There's, you know, aliens and, you know, heroes. And then, and then sort of after Star Wars came out and was huge, it, it was sort of, you know, they, they sort of streamlined it into like, okay, let's do a comic book that's even more Star Wars influenced. And so it's this older kind of cool sci-fi space opera toy property. Uh, uh, and and uh, we we did a draft of that with them and and you know had had a ball writing it and you know that's very much in the kind of you know Star Wars or Star Trek vein um, and uh, and so and so you know we were more and more sort of making our our interest known in you know well what are you guys going to do with uh, you know the third Star Trek movie this was we, we were writing Micronauts around uh, the time that they were making uh, Into Darkness and so we sort of you know very much m- made our interest plain. Uh, 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 and that's yeah. So that's sort of how we how we develop that relationship. We, we, we feel very lucky that we fell into something you know that I think is hopefully mutually beneficial. Um, where where very much like JD and I sort of collaborated and leveraged each other's strengths. I, I think there's something similar with us and you know uh, uh, JJ and everyone at Bad Robot. You know, th- there's an aspect of like you know a shared ambition, a shared idea for for what kind of stories we want to tell. And we we feel very fortunate that we've that we've stumbled into that relationship. Okay. Yeah. The, just going back be, before we get onto Star Trek, I guess just going back to a couple of the projects that you were talking about, it seems like oh, yeah. you know all these things, Micronauts and um, the, the. I'm sorry. The the, the is it deadliest uh, boiler warrior? Boilerplate. Boiler. Is that what's called? And, and boilerplate. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Boilerplate. And then there's one we didn't talk about called La Zero, which is Warner Brothers. So there, there's been a few others, but but yeah, sorry, go ahead. But like those all, you know, like I, I I haven't actually read Boilerplate, but I skimmed through it, and it doesn't seem to have like a very um, easily adaptable narrative structure or anything like that. Like all of these things are sort of like ideas, but not really something with like a, a story already in place. Like, do you find that to be beneficial as, as writers who are like adapting other properties or, or is it more of a challenge? Uh, we, we love that actually, you know, a, a, a sort of like analogy we'll make sometimes is that, you know, if you set us loose on the beach, uh, we, we, we sometimes will, you know, kind of wander up and down the, the beach saying, oh, you could build a sandcastle there, you could build a sandcastle there. But if you put us in a sandbox, you know, we say, okay, tell us exactly what kind of castle you want to build. And, and you know, then we, we, you know, our imagination goes wild with sort of you know, what, what we can do within these parameters. So, like, you know, giving us a world or an idea or a property or a group of characters or a situation, you know, and, and we, you know, we, we really take that and find that's something that, that leverages both of our strengths. Yeah, I mean, I, I, sh- I should say, you know, off that, you know, it's not even necessarily like, you know, that, that they know exactly what they want to do. You know, I think it's as simple as like, like, like JD was saying, you know, it, it's a robot and he's around this time and he sort of meets people who are famous and he can't talk. And I don't know, just, just that sort of vague idea. Uh, and then that book, if, if you've 
continent is full of incident. You know, he goes to, he's traveling around the world and he's influencing historical things by accident. It's very Forrest Gump. Um, you know, but we had to sort of, oh, here's how you would do it. And the sort of, here's how you would do it is, is what you're talking about, which is what is the sort of narrative or structure in there that, that makes it a story? Um, you know, and, and, and we, we've, we've been, been very lucky to, you know, with each of these situations have you know, a really strong instinct for, well, here's what the story would be of that, of that sort of idea or that, that umbrella. Um, so, so we, yeah, as Jason, we, we love working with a basic notion or a basic direction that, that, that you know, has, has traditionally been, been very helpful in, you know, focusing us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that's, yeah. that, that, that's, that's informative. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, um, you know, why you get great movies. If you have limits. Yeah. You need limits. <laughs> and I, I imagine... Sure. <laughs> I imagine that, that Star Trek is even more limiting for you since there's, you know, like, what is it, 737 hours of, of uh, previously... That seems like, like too much. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I was going to say, was that, was that an accurate number? Did you do, it, did you do a count? No. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, yes. it's bizarrely <laughs> accurate. Um, <laughs> I, I don't doubt it, actually. <laughs> so... Now, with, with Star Trek, now I know that you know the, the previous films had both been written by uh, Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, and you know, Damon Lindelof was in there uh, for the last one. And at some point, I don't know if it was officially announced or just leaked or whatever, but they said Kurtzman and Orsi were going to be writing this one too. And now, of course, it's just um, Orsi by himself along with you guys. How how did that come about? How did you guys actually get into? Star Trek. I know you said you were writing Micronauts around the time of Into Darkness, but how how did you uh, convince them, or how, you know what was it that convinced them uh, that that you were the guys for the job? Well, sure. I mean, w- w- one thing we should say is, you know, I don't think I knew until uh, as someone who you know reads sort of the trades and follows the, the movie industry. Like, I don't think I realized until I, I was sort of in the movie industry how how unreliable a lot of information is you know yeah, yeah, um sure. uh yeah uh so so sometimes you know some of those things you have to take with a, gr- a grain of salt i mean um but basically you know from from what i understand you know uh, damon lindelof went off to create a tv show this this the leftovers which is getting great notices on hbo um and i and i and i, I think alex kurtzman is directing a movie and and um so yeah. so there was sort of a hunt for you know maybe we should bring in some new collaborators who's around who would be interested in and we had made you know, enough of a vocal case that they sort of said, well, why don't we sit down and have a conversation about what the next one could be? Um, does that sound right, Jenny? Yeah, sure. Mm. Oh, uh, <laughs> so many follow-up questions. Oh, oh did we lose JD? No, 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 no. I, I'm here. You just said, you know, we talked about what we were going to do. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, that's cool. And now, well, we have, now we actually can't ask anything about what you just said. <laughs> So that's really nice well, of you. I, I, actually, we, we should tell you that there are, there are actually snipers right now <laughs> that are, have red dots trained on both of our foreheads. One of us will very quickly uh, drop off the call. I, no, I mean, that seems totally reasonable yeah. and entirely plausible. Yeah, we, we, we probably have them trained on us, too. But you They're know. not using rifles. Well, we, I mean, we should also say that what, what I'm talking about is very sort of like preliminary, like, you know, testing the waters conversations, more so than like, we have some big store idea. We're like, Hey guys, can this be the movie? You know, n- not, not, not really the case more about sort of just kind of feeling each other out. And yeah, sort of, so, so, so sort of, it, yeah. it was, what would you guys like to see? And what would you do in, in sort of like a, a, a new Star Trek movie? Um, where would you like to see the characters go? What kind of tone would you like to see? Um, you know, what can you think about for villains? What kind of plots could we have? You know, sort, sort of, you know, uh, all, all those kind of things. While also sort of saying, well, you know, the first two movies have very much teed us off to, to sort of, you know, know that now we're on the five year mission and, and we're, you know, ha- have some of those parameters and, 
and saying, what, what, you know, where, where do we go from there? And, and, uh, you know, they, they brought some instinct to it. We brought some instincts to it. And, and, um, you know, so it all went into the soup and, and, uh, you know, it's gotten refined over uh, the course of development for the, for the, the last, you know, X many months. And, and, um, it's been just a really delightful process. All right. So since Orsi is kind of, I mean, to use like the TV term, I guess, sort of like, in a sense, the showrunner of, of this new series, you know, in, in that he's been there the whole time and he's, you know, obviously directing this one. Like, did he have, um, not getting into any specifics, but did he have, you know, sort of like an idea like, hey, guys, this is what I want to do. Can you work with that? Or was he just saying like, hey, what do you got? Blank slate. Yeah. A little bit of both. I mean, I think, you know, um, you know, we've been very lucky to be having a ball collaborating with Bob on this movie. Um, and, 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 you know, we kind of came to the table with some notions, uh, you know, uh, you know in, in some ways, like J.D. indicated, like very much coming from where the last movie leaves off and, and you, know, you know, building on what the first two movies do as, as a whole. Um, and, and he did as well. I mean, I think I, I would say, you know, Bob, Bob had some, some big thoughts. We, you know, we, we had some thoughts. We sort of put those together and shaped it from there. I mean, so... So I, I know that's sort of an in-between answer, but the answer no, is mean, kind of yes, also. You know, th- th- does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. That's totally – that's fine. That's, accept, <laughs> that's an acceptable answer well, to and, the question. And, and that's one, basically one thing, a trap. One, 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 thing we, one thing we shall say about Bob is, is that it's wonderful about working with him is that you know, it, it's a very egalitarian situation where you – know, I've actually listened to him, him talk recently in an interview he did where he talked about the story being the boss. Um, and he very much – that's not just something he, he basically observes. So that, that's actually how, how, how he lives it. Um, you know, we, we sit around and we all toss out ideas and it's sort of, you know, each idea gets, you know, sort of batted around the, on the table and doesn't matter where it came from, you know, it, some of them stick, some of them don't stick. And, and it, it's you know, really just fun to have like, you know, it, you know Patrick and I are so used to sort of our, our own thing to have a third person we can do that with and have it be just, you know, more fodder for, for the mill um, is, or grist for the mill, I guess is the term, but is. is I, 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 I like uh, the way you characterized him as sort of the showrunner of, of the movie. I, I think that's true. I think, I, I think that's, you know, you know, the, the, that's a, a nice, a nice hat to wear. Um, but, but because he really does treat us like, you know, collaborators, you know, it, it wouldn't work if he was coming in being like, here's the movie, you know, are you cool with that? You, you know what I mean? I think it's sort of like, well, here's kind of what I'm thinking. What are you guys thinking? Um, mm-hmm. so it's more of a conversation. Yeah. Are, are, like, do you guys write with him? Like, like, or does, do, do you guys like, I mean, what, what's your process basically? I guess, first off, what's your process alone since you've worked, you know, together as just a pair for, you know, like you're saying, 17 years. How do you generally uh, do that? Do you write in the same room? Sure, yeah, I mean, you know, so all, all the above, like, you know, typically we have a, a basic story that we're interested in, in, in telling, and then, you know, we, we sort of know when there's that itch. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, someone brings a story and it's like, eh, we don't really have it anymore. But then other times it's like, it's, it's, it's a very sort of you know, strange, unquantifiable thing where like, yeah, we, we, we know there's gold in them hills, you know, and, and then we start sort of digging a little bit and, you know, we'll, we'll walk around a lot and sort of, you know, pitch things back and forth. And it, it's, it's like a yarn we're spinning where eventually it, it turns into something where, you know, we, we, it's like sitting around a campfire. I mean, that, that, that's, that's where you know, storytelling really, really begins to a certain extent. You know, if it's something we can entertain each other with, inter- entertain, you know, our, our, our you know, wives with, then, you know, we, we, it eventually turns into sort of a thing that we, we've, we've spun back and forth. And then one of us will go put it down on paper or we'll divide it up and say, okay, you write this part of the treatment, I'll write this part of the treatment. And then we, you know, tear each other's work up and put it back together again. And once they have a treatment that's reached sort of critical mass, um, there's a certain point in which treatments become sort of cumbers- too cumbersome to work with. So you want to sort of move into screenplay format. And, 
then you start moving the script format, and sometimes we'll just divide and conquer. Sometimes one will take one sequence. Yeah, and, and, and then you move the script, and you realize that all of your ideas in the treatment are no good, and you have to start over. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so, so sometimes that happens. You know, and then you know, then then you then you you know you go back and you say, okay, we got to brainstorm about this part and that part, and you know, uh, usually we write separately when it comes to the actual screenplay pages. You know. And it sort of comes out, you'd think it would be the kind of thing you'd have to really work hard to divide up, but somehow it works very naturally where it's like, you know what, I think you want to write this part, and I'd really like to write this part. And, um, you know, we we write discrete chunks, whether it's 10 pages, 15 pages, 20 pages, uh, and then we we try and assemble a full full first draft that way. Um, And then once we've got that, then, then, you know, we, we sort of roll up our sleeves and rewrite the hell out of it you know I'll, I'll rewrite you know from page one he'll rewrite you know behind me um or or, or vice versa um and then at a certain point we find we're, we're at each other's throats about like very small points of detail where okay no 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 you know what we need to do it's time to work through it together and, and then we, we say no no no, no. This, this, this should be a semicolon no 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 no. it needs to be an m dash no no, no 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 i mean like literally you can sometimes get down to those things. it's very 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 you know sort of literary effects on the page and sort of once, once Screen, screenplays point, are, are tricky things you know screenplays are very tricky things you know every little detail really does count it all has to add up and, and so at, at that point we we, uh, we actually will set up like you know one, one computer sort of on two two monitors and two keyboards and work on the same file at the same time just go through the entire thing read it you know sometimes even even acting out the voices you know which is particularly fun with star trek um but, uh, look at it with that kind of critical eye well what is this scene really about okay well no, actually we, we had it wrong and we'll rewrite it together there um, and that, that's something we call we call the line edit. We've been doing that all, all along, and and that's where it gets that sort of feeling of ah, okay, this is we've sort of done everything we can. Now it's time to show somebody else, and then they'll tell us why we're wrong, and it sucks, and we got to start over. <laughs> um, but that's that's sort that's sort of, and and then you start over and you do it all over again. I mean, that, that's sort of been the process we've developed. But you know, it sounds like a lot of work, and it's an insane amount of work, but we kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, it's something we just couldn't not do. So it's an organic process. You did do it on how it how it feels. That's, that's, um, yeah, very, very that's much healthy. so. That's healthy. So, well, so I like that. Like, how has that that changed now? Bringing a third person into the mix. I mean, are you guys basically off on your own, and then he's doing his own thing, and then you get together like every couple days? Or? Does he ever type? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, you know, all, all, all of the above again. You know, I mean, you know, the process very much started with us kind of in a room, kicking out around ideas, spinning a yarn. Um, then you go away and you think about it. You get back together. You talk about it some more, and you know, and and uh, and, 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 and genuinely having fun with it. I mean, you know, like because you know we're at the, at the heart of it. All, all three of us are Star Trek fans. So you know, we'll pull out old random episodes and and uh, in, in terms of just referencing them, and you know, we, we laugh a lot and and uh, just really genuinely enjoy each other's instincts. But but but, but, know, but, but it's also like you know, JD and I have been sort of you know running this this team or this business or whatever, you know, and then and then to work with Bob, it's like suddenly we're working with like Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, Oh, we've got, we've got a great new slugger on the squad, you know, who's got all, all sorts of, you know, uh, uh, talents that, that, that are, that are going to complement ours or, you know, expand ours or, or in things he can teach us. And he's been doing this. He's written, you know, a lot more movies than we have and, and he's done TV. And so it's, it's, it's also sort of like, it's basically like, you know, everything we had, we sort of now have like, you know, a, a, a third big leg on the chair. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, 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 so we talk about with, with, with each other in terms of our, our own processes. That we say, um, people ask us what it's like to write in a team. I say, well, it's sort of a difference between two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. You know, when we have four-wheel drive, it's you know very little chance that you're you're going to get stuck because you know if I'm stuck, Patrick can usually get us out of it or vice versa. Now with Bob, it's I guess six-wheel drive. You know? So uh, it, it, it just continues to, to push the, the process forward. So if he's Babe Ruth, this movie will be a home run, I assume. <laughs> 
That's the that's the, that's the promise <laughs> well, that you're well, making well, to hey, us. Hey, right yeah, now. yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> do not put it past him. You know, uh, I, I would love to see it. I don't know if your your process is different depending on who who you're working with as a as a director, but. Now that he's in place on that and, and he has sort of like, I'm assuming, specific ideas in terms of what he wants to do from a directing standpoint, has he been able to come back and say like, okay, now that I know that I'm doing this, let's make it like this? Or has now it's it got to be good. <laughs> or, or has it not really changed <laughs> at all? In some ways, it's, it's you know just given us license to say, okay, this is going to be the movie. I mean, you know, sort of when you're writing it just as, as a writer – um, you know, you, you sort of always have in your head that, like, you know, a director will come in and you know, bring in a whole sort of other, other point of view, which is, you know, a, a great thing in terms of in terms of uh, sort of bringing other voices to the process. Um, but you, you ultimately don't know sort of you know where that direction that's going to take it in. Um, this means that really now, sort of, the, the three of us are responsible for really getting the movie to to, to what it's going to be. And, and there's a thing, okay, but the movie we write is the movie that's going to get made, which is a really cool feeling, actually. Oh my God, it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> who's who? I don't know who's who in that analogy, no, but I like. Don't identify yourselves. It'll you'll live. No, no, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> any, any version of that, you know, Bob, Bob is the captain. You know, he, he, yes, certainly. So you're limiting your groupies. Don't <laughs> identify. <laughs> well, if I, if I can be a boy, then I get to be Carl Urban, and he, he's got groupies. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I think the other day, Bob, Bob says that, that he, he identified most of his Spock. I, if, if I recall correctly, the other day to be talking about, or maybe the Spock. I, I, I don't remember, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> so I dig that. Out, outside of Star Trek, um, what, what have been your biggest influences uh, as writers? I know you were talking about Wes Anderson and the Coen Brothers and everything like that, but like, is there anything, any particular writer, or director, or, or movie, just in general, where it's just had like, like no matter what it is you're doing, you cannot help but be influenced by that thing. Uh, I mean, you know, in, in some ways, I'd say it's uh, just the, the, the things of our, of our childhood. You know, we grew up on. James Cameron and on Ridley Scott and on Spielberg and and uh, on, on Lucas, you know, and uh, watching those big movies. But we also, you know, uh, both of us have a, a genuine love for art film and and uh, you know Fellini and Antonioni and and uh, you know, so we try to cross pollinate a little bit so that we're not just watching the big blockbusters and sort of recycling some of those ideas, but so that we can bring you know the the emotion and sensibility that you know you you would find sometimes in in uh just some sort of across the spectrum and and um you know brings that to, to things that will also play you know as as a, a big blockbuster movie um yeah we, so we, we love we love things i mean like groundhog day we love groundhog day we love you know citizen kane and the godfather and you know i don't know rosemary's baby is like my favorite movie I, I you know like you know it's all of the kind of big movies you know it's, it's all, all all of those movies that have been able to take you away to another world and, and convince you of it and take you on a journey and and you know, and like JD said, yeah, I mean, the sort of Mount Rushmore, it's like, you know, Steven Spielberg. And I mean, like, Back to the Future is a movie we talk about all the time. And that's probably your favorite movie, right, JD? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for me, it, it's it's movies that, that, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why I fell in love with Next Gen is, is it things that can sort of tickle my mind with the possibilities of human existence. You know, I mean, for a long time, I think, like, you know, because of, of Next Gen, like, I went I went into college thinking I wanted to, like, be an engineer. And I actually started off in applied physics and was taking all these hardcore math and physics classes and everything else. Then I sort of found time, found that I was like stealing time for my problem sets to work on my screenplays, and it, it was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't actually want to 
like be the engineer on the enterprise. I, I, I want to write <laughs> about the stories of the enterprise. Um, and you know, but, but, so it's those stories that make me and that, that make me sort of think like, what could be out there, and, and what could we, uh, what could we become as human beings? Uh, what, what's our possibility as individuals and as a species? And so, it, movies that can do that and sort of transport you and, and make your mind just you know a whirl with those things. Uh, the, that, that's it for us. That's 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 very solid. I like that. That's good. Um, before we finish, I, I like I I feel like I have to do this because we are on Trek FM and this is a rather crazy world, Star Trek Online fandom. But there there is a significant population of people online who are not thrilled with the new movies. Let the record stand that I am not one of those people. I absolutely love them. So anyway, okay. <laughs> but there there are a lot of people well, yeah. who are not on. There are a lot of people who are not on board, and and I'm very curious how that that particular um, protestation is being like dealt with uh, within the the production of the new movies. I mean, I, like, do you do, do you think about those people who don't? care about the new movies or are you trying to bring them in in some way what is like is is there a, a well, hold on, let, let, me, let me sort of turn it around rather than the sort of you know third-party avatar what, what do you guys think of the new movies uh, uh mike you said you said you really like them but you know totally yeah, honestly yeah, where are you guys going on the new one i'm not i'm i'm not really impressed i, I mean like i, I i'm sure. not impressed with a lot of movies i mean like it's certainly better than they've, they've certainly been better than some of the star trek movies but like I, I, I still want there to be a movie. I still believe that Star Trek could make a movie better than Wrath of Khan. I don't think that they've done that. And and I, on the other hand, I, I do, I do love, especially the the first one, Star Trek '09. I thought was just sort of. Um, I've said this before. It's you know like Star Trek sort of coming into its own and everything like that. And I was very impressed by Into Darkness as well. So. Um, yeah, we're we're definitely split in this room here. But anyway, go ahead. But so, but so, hold on. so you think Wrath of Khan is the best one? Yeah. yeah. You, Mike, what do you think? Do you agree? You know, honestly, and I know I've taken a, a lot of crap for this, but I think that's uh, Star Trek '09 is is the best one. But uh, I'm also a big fan of Star Trek VI and and Star Trek II. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, very, very things you can say. I mean, you know, one of the things that we appreciated about about the uh, about Star Trek Nine is that, you know, sort of when Patrick was talking about the, you know, the kind of asterisk you would have to put next to being a Star Trek fan when when you introduced your friends to Star Trek back in the day and, and they'd watch, you know, some of the original series and, and the rubber costumes and you know, all, all that stuff. Like, we feel like in some ways Star Trek Nine allowed us at least to sort of take take that asterisk away a little bit because, like, it, it really sort of made. Uh, it was a big tent that brought a lot of people to Star Trek, and so that's something you know we very much appreciate about it. Uh, you know, my, my my girlfriend at the time, now she's my wife. Uh, uh, you know, she went with a friend of hers. You know, who was actually at the time my my another friend of mine's girlfriend. So she and one of her girlfriends went just to go see a movie, and they're like, you know what? Let's see Star Trek. I mean, to me, that that would even happen. You know, uh, uh, someone who'd never she'd never seen anything before, she didn't know anything about Star Trek, and she's like, oh, you know, I heard it's good. Let's see it. Like, I mean, to me, that's a, an enormous compliment to, to, to what they did. That, that like, I, I feel like Star Trek Nine is, is pretty true to what I love about Star Trek, you know? And maybe it doesn't sort of have, a, a, you know, everything I might want to see in the most ultimate Star Trek movie ever, but, but I felt like it brought everybody to the party while, while still being true to, to, to what I think the party should be about, you know? And, and so, so well, and, and, and that's, that's, yeah. that's, also, that's also why you have multiple movies, you know? Like, 
uh, a movie can't be all things to all people. So just by the very fact of us being human and having different taste preferences, some of us are going to like certain movies, some of us are going to like other movies. And like, you know, Patrick and I, we, we feel like, you know, we have different enough aesthetic sensibilities that, you know, hopefully if it can please both of us, it's going to be able to please a, a wide swath of people. And if it can please Bob also, you know, if it can please all three of us, then it's going to, that's going to be maybe even an even bigger swath. And so I guess, you know, but, 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 but sort of to, to take your, to take your point more specifically, you know, you know, so there's been this thing, you know, about like people who really hate Into Darkness and who are sort of like taking Into Darkness as an opportunity to like say, well, I never really liked Star Trek 09 either, um, you know, and like, uh, you know, as far as are we sort of taking that into consideration? How do we how do we read that as we're thinking about the next one? You know, uh, you know, th- there's something that JD and I talk about in our collaboration, you know, as like a principle. It's like. It's like, you know, he, he's going to write things that sometimes, like, I don't love, you know, and, and I'm going to write things that he doesn't like or, or love or anything and, and things suck, you know. Um, but there's a way that you sort of, you know, continue the conversation. And it's, 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 do you want to talk about the, the sort of sure, thing? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's something that they do in improv comedy where they, it's a game called Yes And. Where yeah. someone will throw out a situation and then someone else will say yes. And then, you know, then I, I went to the bus, oh, yes. And at that bus, I then met, you know, uh, an international criminal. Oh, yes. And with that international criminal, he asked me to get involved in his crime. Oh, yes. And, you know, it, it's sort of taking what's there. And instead of saying no but, it's taking what, what the other guy has brought to it and then figuring out how to add something to it that, that you can bring to it so that it, it sort of keeps the creative energy flowing. Like when you play no but, it's sort of like you can just sort of stop the conversation cold. And you're like, oh, okay, we, we sort of have to hit the reset button here a little bit. And so we, we try in, in our own collaboration to sort of honor the creative energy that the other guy has brought to it and then figure out what we can bring that sort of, you know, there's ways to steer it without necessarily stopping stopping the train cold and then having to restart it. So, you know, we, we, we sort of think with, with fans, it's like, you know, we, we'll, we'll read, you know, some, some of the, the various blogs out there and, and sort of look it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was long before I was writing movies, I was the guy, you know, reading Ain't It Cool News and like getting excited for, you know, whatever Star Wars movie was, you know, about to come out. And, and, you know, you know, in that world, in the sort of, you know, online fan world, which Star Trek, you know, is a huge, has a huge contingent. Um, there's too much, no, but, you know, I, I think there's too much like, you know, negativity, which is sort of like a, like, well, you know, it's like, it's like, this is not my Star Trek, or this is not, you know, this is a terrible, this is the worst piece of crap ever. And like, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't, I, there, there's not a lot you can you can take from that and and, and produce good work with I, I think you know so so I would say I would say you know the voices that are like most helpful are the ones where it's like you know either constructive criticism or 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 you know um, well you know what what I'd really like to see is this one is this we, ha- we haven't done that yet well that, that that that's sort of continuing the conversation you know um, yeah. I don't know I don't know if that answers your question I think I hope it does no that's no that's good like, like I like I definitely think about like because there are people on 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 like in the world of Star Trek online fandom that are like much more vocal about what their problems are. And I don't really have so many very specific, huge criticisms. So like, I just sort of like, you know, I go, yeah, it's not, not as good as other things, but like there are people who are legitimately like super crazy obsessed with tearing things apart. And that is definitely a destructive energy that it would, well, it and, seems, and it's, it seems and it's an energy very... that, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, like, help you create anything. You know, yeah, you know it, certainly, you know, if someone, yeah, that, that's what, I'm, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help you create anything. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't help people even in just judging things. They're, they're you know, objectively. But like, I, there is something very zen about the notion of of quality. Like, you you essentially can't be super focused on it. Mm-hmm. You have to just do it. Yeah, and that I seems guess. very intelligent. Yeah. So I'm on board. Well, so off that, let me let me turn this around to you guys. What, what would you like to see in the next movie? What, what are you know? What are, 
Oh, Max, how, how about you? Since I, I, I like what, what's been going on, I'm okay with, with continuing in this direction. But Max? Well, all right. I don't know. I don't have very specific, like, desires. But I have said for a while, I've said, like, the same thing. Like, I would like to hear them say, the new movie is going to be an adaptation of a piece of the action. <laughs> oh, here we go. This again. <laughs> because, because it's so ridiculous a concept. It's so insane a scenario, a planet of mobsters, that... If I heard that that was going to be like essentially the inspiration for the new movie, I would be unbelievably intrigued because it would mean that you'd you figured gotta, out you figured some out. way. You figured out some way of making that make sense and good. And I was like, that that would that would be the sign to me that this new project is going to be amazing. Yeah. Awesome, makes sense. All right, well, I know you guys got to go. Um, just any uh, any final thoughts or anything? Anything that that uh, you want to tell the fans or anything like that <laughs> gosh uh i don't know jd what do you got yeah we, we, we can we can say that you know we, we uh, feel awesome about working on this movie you know it, it's been really fun so far and, and we're having a ball as, as the pages keep um keep coming out and, and uh you know we, we want you to know we're, we're we're trying to make an awesome check movie you know no, no one wants to see a, a better a, a great check movie more than us and uh, but, you know if there's any you know, sort of peace speaking that I can do to your Star Trek souls. It, it would be that we, we want to make an awesome Trek movie and we're using every, every skill that we, we have. And, you know, of course, we're still, we're still learning a lot too. And, and, um, you know, so we're not going to be perfect at this, but we're, we're bringing it, we're bringing all the love and passion that we have to it. Well, and we'll bring in uh, as many mobsters as we can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well thank, awesome. thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you're, you're more than welcome back anytime you want. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you. Well, that was very fun talking to Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne about their careers in the new Star Trek movie and all that good stuff. I'm I'm excited, you know? I want to hear more about that Midas thing. Yeah, that does sound... I'm very curious. Cool. Yeah. I, you know, I, it, I, we touched on this a bit in the show, but, like, this is the first time that a Star Trek anything has been written by people who are younger than us and i counted for the first 50 years from from gene roddenberry to damon lindelof there have been 369 people who have written for star trek in some form or another and while you i count that by hand did you actually count no, the names no 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 i didn't um <laughs> but I, I do have a list because of this show i do have a list you know and seeing who and you look at that list and it's like the names on there ronald d moore you know uh, richard all Matheson, all these people some guy named steve probably <clears throat> at some point and and you know there are a lot of people who in regards to like the new movies and stuff like that they're like i want to see ron moore return to star trek i want to see nick meyer return to star trek and granted I would love to see either of those people return to Star Trek. I would not be complaining if that happened. But another part of me is really kind of excited about the fact that someone from our generation is now making Star Trek. I mean, it is about the future. It is that that progressive thing. You know, we talked about that with Gene Roddenberry. Um, well, well, we talked about it with Todd Gilchrist about Gene Roddenberry when we were doing Pretty Maids All in a Row and how he was very forward-thinking and always thought that, you know, you needed to look to the next generation. And now we're the next generation. And I think it's cool that we're getting to see what our generation's interpretation of Star Trek is. I like that a lot. But anyway, that's not all that we're talking about this week here on Trek FM. So here's a, a taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm. 
Standard Orbit. With the Slushoverse, a lot of people are wondering, is JJ going to stick Slusho into Star Wars? <gasps> Earl Grey. It's like Leroy Jenkins. You know, he comes running in. <laughs> Sir, there's another starship entering the zone. It's the Enterprise! <laughs> <Yes>. Enterprise! <laughs> the Orb. But the, here's the thing. They put themselves in a box with Dax. It's such a cool sci-fi concept to say that the symbiont is the 300-year-old slug and the outer host body, you know, they're, they're mixed together. And that the, the host changes. From the-, the Ready Room. Because, I mean, what's the alternative? If you're, if you're not going to do what, what Chris just suggested, I mean, what's he going to do? Get down on his knees and say, oh, emissary, I'm with you now? I mean, <laughs> right, that's right. not really going to work either, right? So Allow me to, to ride my flaming chariot back to Starfleet. To the journey! I am genuinely excited for this week's episode because we are doing a commentary on Threshold. Yes, you heard that right. Threshold, the infamous episode that everybody loves to hate, but I love to love it. Warp 5. But the fact that they had been in so many other shows before, that they literally were pulling footage from Voyager to help flesh out that episode, I think it's sort of like, it's a it's an Easter egg and it's a theme and it's also literally pulling out of another show. Commentary, Trek Stars. I feel like he always had the sense that the younger generation had a, a much clearer sense of what the future was going to be like than, than sort of the, the previous one. Melodic Treks. And these theme come on, and I just thought brilliantly tied in with the original series because these were the original series characters, but it was giving it a movie feel, and he just did a brilliant job on his composition. Continuing mission. We have had long discussions in the office about how we can get an appropriate chair sitting simulator into the game. Unfortunately, that's such a specific system that would really only be used by Riker. Literary tricks. And then she leads him back to her place and says, Welcome back to my place. It's a good place to be together. And Kirk says, Together is good. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. So, you know, Star Trek 3, Star Trek 13, what do you want to call it? I like the idea that you came up with of spelling it Star Trek, but replacing the E with a 3. I think that's what they need to go with. Um, but anyway... Coming oh, we out. should have pitched that to them. We should have pitched it to them. <laughs> it's it's coming out in, in a couple years, right? So you need to get caught up, right? So if you're not then you'll have no idea what's going on. In but I mean thing. like you're listening to this show, so I'm just saying you're probably already pretty lost. If you do want to get caught up, <laughs> um you should check out the novelization for Star Trek Into Darkness which is available on audible.com. It was written by Alan Dean Foster, who, by the way, is one of those 369 names because he had a hand in writing Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes. And is narrated by Alice Eve. I think it was his left hand. Here is the description on Audible of Star Trek Into Darkness. Pioneering director J.J. Abrams has delivered an explosive action thriller that takes Star Trek into darkness. Oh, When the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for. Oh, my God. they kept it. No. No. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> Leaving our world in no. a state of crisis. <laughs> All no, right. See, that's not- <laughs> un- that is unforgivable. <laughs> they kept it in there. All that's right, so awful. With a personal score to settle, <laughs> Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left: his crew. Sacrifices, mm-hmm. like people die, maybe. Oh man, know. that would just be detonating. Well, you can find out uh, for free since you're a listener to Trek.fm. You can get this novelization for free on Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week from classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep commentary Trek stars coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork for you see on the website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like and in which format. Again, you'll find them on trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. You know, you can get a Klingon on there, and uh, something tells me that maybe there's going to be some Klingons in Star Trithreek. Star Trithreek? If you're going to pronounce it the way it's spelled. Um, I think that the best way of handling that is to not do that. Okay. I don't know. That's my guess as to what it is. It seems like the way that it's being set up here. I'm guessing there's going to be some Klingons. You really Klingons? I think so. You think? I think. Think Klingons? And in fact, I'm going to go even one step further and say General Chang. General Chang. Yes. Yeah? Uh, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say um, the Borg. The Borg. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, who cares? All right. Why not? Yeah. We, we shall see. All right. As always, you can find us right here on Trek.fm, where we do this show. I also do Standard Orbit, which is the original series show with Drew. And you can also find the two of us on CommentaryTrackStars.com, which is our own personal website, where we do our show Commentary Trackstars off-topic with our friend Brandon. It is a very casual show in which we talk about whatever we want, because it's off-topic. Yes, right? and you swear a lot. I swear a lot. Brandon swears occasionally. You don't really swear that much. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. Yeah. Like if we're talking about movies that you really like, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to swear. Yeah, so if we're talking about Boogie Nights, you're swearing like crazy. Well, more no, no, not Boogie Nights. I just I don't have any strong feelings about that movie one way or the other. Okay, fair enough. 
but yeah, you can find us over there. You know, we we do a show each week. You can find it there on Sundays, and uh, it's it's very casual and fun. We're also doing a thing where we're looking back at the year 1999, week by week, we're halfway through. So that's kind of exciting. No, we're like 14. We're like 15 years after. We're not halfway through. Okay. It's we're over. Never. We're halfway through our retrospective okay. on 1999. So check that out for sure. That's commentarytrackstars.com where you can find that. You can also email us at comtrackstars at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at comtrackstars. We've got so many comms. Yep, that's true. It's crazy how many comms we have. Mm-hmm. So that's it for this week. We will be back next week to start our new series on Will Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs>